Hey guys, welcome to the Let's Get To It podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Hamilton, and I'm so glad you're here. We are going to talk to people from different walks of life about faith, family, and community. All right, guys, let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to today's show. I have a very special guest for you today, but before we get started, I am going to ask you to do me a huge favor. Please rate and review the show so others can find the podcast and be encouraged just like you. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. I also have a huge announcement today. I have launched a website. TheKellyHamilton.com is now live. Go check it out and sign up for the newsletter. I love empowering courageous Christians to deepen their faith and build healthy connections to God and others. I am so excited about this next season of life, and I'm truly thankful that you are on this journey with me. All right, guys, let's get to today's episode. Today's guest is Blair Lynn. She is a critically acclaimed spoken word artist, writer, actress, and Bible teacher. Today, we are talking about her book, Finding My Father, How the Gospel Heals the Pain of Fatherlessness. Blair shares her moving story of how discovering her heavenly father healed her reshaped her identity, and inspired her to build a different kind of legacy for her own family. Whether your father was present or absent, loving or the opposite, Blair's personal story and vulnerability is inspiring to pursue healing, and it calls the family of Christ to practice hospitality, which is an opportunity to show God's love and comfort to others. All right, guys, let's get to it. I want to welcome to the show today my very special guest, Blair Lynn. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So we are approaching holiday season. I know you've Mm -hmm. got three kiddos. What is your favorite holiday tradition? Yeah, we we love, so for Thanksgiving, I cook. Typically, I make a big maybe too much food. <laughs> we well, <need>. sure. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, we just love, and, and typically, I mean, I don't know what it'll look like this year. Usually we'll invite a few people over mm-hmm. um, who may not have family nearby from our church and just spend that time together. We now have, uh, my husband's mom is living with us. So that's okay. new within the last couple months. Oh, wow. Um, so, so yeah, just looking forward to being around the table. We wow. love Thanksgiving. We love Christmas too um, mm-hmm. around here. So but it's usually pretty low key and just inviting people in to our space. So yeah. Yeah. How about you? you I love that. Actually, we're really similar. We love just the connection. Like let's keep it simple. Let's keep it, you know, good food. Obviously mm-hmm. you have to have the good food, yes. um, but let's just keep it low key and spend time together and just mm-hmm. have some laughs and yeah. Excellent. Sit around the table. Yeah. We're the same. So mm-hmm. So you are a woman of of many, many talents. So can you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I am right now we live in Philadelphia. I'm married to Shy. We have three kids, uh, nine, seven and six at the moment. And I um, am a writer. I I do spoken word. I've been writing poetry since I was nine years old. Mm. Um, Also, at nine years old, I started acting. and yeah, I just love the arts. I was raised in that world. Um, my mom is actually a poet. So she would take me to poetry events every Wednesday. Um, you know, and she was a big part. I talk about in my book of helping me get an agent and 
like getting on camera acting classes and getting headshots and all that requ- was required to yeah. um, get into the industry when I was nine years old as well. So that's a little bit about me. I Oh, I also lead women's ministry at my church. Um, so I'm grateful to do that. We just did a women's conference. Mm-hmm. We just finished this weekend. Um, so yeah, so it's a full, full life. It's a full life, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I noticed, and I have to just bring it up because you were on Alias. And <laughs> my husband and I were huge Alias fans. Oh we God. watched all of them. So I was oh, like, wow. yes, nice. <laughs> throwback to <laughs> the early 2000s. So. Yes, let's say. That I love awesome. that. I love being on that show. It was great. Uh, I just, ha- I had a, I think it was a reoccurring role. I think it was on maybe two episodes. So it wasn't uh, that I was a longstanding character, but it was a lot of fun. My husband was a spy Fantastic. and I was African actually. So I had an accent and all of that. Nice. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's so great. That's great. Well, your new book um, has just come out, Finding My Father. Um, and you share your story um, with honestly inspiring vulnerability. Um, so was it difficult to write your story and, and why now, what made you write it now? Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard. I would say yes, difficult in some ways. And then also there were, there was great, I took joy, I guess, in writing and I guess it was bittersweet, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, being raised in uh, a home without my father, um, was hard. And also, you know, as you will read my story, I'm kind of processing some things still. And so, you know, it was very fresh and I wanted to be raw and transparent and honest because when I had read books on those who were fatherless, I really hadn't seen anyone that I could relate to. Um, You know, it might be a story where the father was in the home, which there is a fatherlessness in that you know, your father could be right in the home and yet be absent. But to see a story or read a story where there was that physical absence and um, just to see it very thoroughly, I had not Mm -hmm. read that yet. So I kind of wrote the book I wanted to read in one sense. Um, I took great pleasure in it because I was able to use my craft, you know, just use the ability to, I wanted to communicate truth and do it in a beautiful way. So I hope that that Mm -hmm. comes across. But the actual story was very raw and I was vulnerable. So that wasn't easy. There were times where I was literally crying um, as I was writing or as I reread what I'd written. Um, You know, so it was a lot, you know, yeah, even I talk about my my brother, you know, I mean, there was there was so much there that as I went back, it was it was hard, you know, hard to communicate. So, but I hope people um, get that sense of my heart of love and wanting to be honest, wanting to be kind of an open book, (laughs) no pun intended, but like, you know, just to be, to say like, I'm here and I see you, you know, I see Mm -hmm. all of those, uh, you know, who experience fatherlessness and you're not alone. You know, Um, I, I started writing this book after working on a workshop. So I was invited to a conference. And they asked me what I wanted to speak on. It was a conference at Moody in Chicago, but it yeah. was to inner city um, men and women. And it was a, actually a conference for women um, who were fatherless. And the response was tremendous. Like so many ladies, you know, really felt uh, my heart even in that uh, workshop. And as we walked through our spiritual adoption, they were encouraged. And someone approached me after saying, would you be willing to write on this? And I said, yeah. 
that was maybe five or six years ago. Um, I was interested, but then things turned and I wasn't able to write at that time. And of course my story would turn. Right. And the Lord was sovereign over all of that to have, have me in a situation where I could write now. So. Yeah. I love that. I think one of the things I admire most about it is that, and, and you hit on this, is that you are still in process. Mm, you know, I think mm-hmm. so many times we're fine to share pain that we've already worked out. Right. And kind of be reflective on and like, hey, we found our healing. But I, mm-hmm. I appreciate the vulnerability that you're like, no, I'm still here, I'm still mm-hmm. processing, I'm still working it out. And I think that's can resonate with so many. Mm-hmm. And I feel like displaying that kind of gives us permission to be open in mm-hmm. process, to be mm-hmm. open during healing, that we don't have to kind of wait until it's uh, completed, which it's never really completed, right? But to let others in on that, and it's it's really beautiful. So, I think it's wonderful. One of my favorite um, things that you write is this: you say, "My dad's absence was the cloud that was always hovering in my sky, sometimes just on the horizon, sometimes blocking the sun, and at other times encompassing me like a fog, blocking me from seeing even an arm's length in front of me." That's a beautiful, vivid picture. So can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with your father, D growing up? Yeah. So, um, you know, when I was three years old, my mom moved us across the country to Los Angeles. Uh, and my dad was in, uh, actually my dad lived in Chicago. So, you know, we're thousands of miles away and what that relationship looked like. Well, before we moved, it was him giving me candy and, you know, I mean, life yeah. was great, you know? Um, but once we moved it, things really shifted in that our relationship were, were a series of phone calls, maybe a couple of times each year. So there really wasn't much relationship at all. We would go back and visit family in Michigan. We might stop through Chicago to see him, um, you know, if we could afford the trip, um, right. you know, so it wasn't even every year that I saw him and it was really hard. You know, those conversations were hard, you know, at, you know, seven years old or nine years old, having these conversations, it was awkward. Um, I didn't know him. I didn't know what to ask. You know, um, he didn't really know me. So, you know, but because he is a kind man, and I'm really thankful for that, you know, he would just try to encourage me and say things like, you know, stars don't need no polish. They always shine, you know, Um, you know, how are you? You know, uh, you know, and I might say, well, how are you? He would say partly what do you say? Mostly sunny, partly cloudy. So that was his line, you know? (laughs) Um, So he had, you know, these tags or these phrases that he would throw out. But, um, you know, when it came to really getting to know him, that really wasn't there. And, um, you know, the reason that I say that those clouds were there, certainly when I was young, I didn't realize that, you know, I kind of processed fatherhood based upon those who were around me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were, we moved a lot, you know, we, but mainly we, I was raised in South Central Los Angeles. So, you know, there was a lot of single parents around. Um, there were some fathers around, but those pictures weren't really pictures that you would want to model, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was a very hard life of dealing with poverty. Um, as I mentioned, we moved around a lot. I counted up the times that we moved. It was 25 times, um, you know, from that first move to Los Angeles up until the point that I could get my own apartment. Um, You know, so life was hard. 
Um, I struggled with authority, you know, so mm-hmm. I respected my mom for sure. She was, right. the, she was my life, you know, but when, and I, and I had a sense of respect for my dad in one sense, you know, it was almost like he was the superhero that I was waiting to come in and save the day, you know, mm-hmm. even though he mm-hmm. wasn't there, you know, there was that strong wish or desire for him to be there. The fantasy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, and so there was that, but there wasn't any real respect for other uh, sources of authority. Um, And then I struggled with identity. Who am I? I didn't Mm -hmm. know. Because I think a big part of the responsibility of fathers in the scripture is passing on that sense of identity. Um, You know, and so, yeah, it wasn't until I was 18, you know, that I had a conversation with him. And, you know, that changed some things. But life was really hard not having my dad. For sure. Yeah. What did that conversation at 18, what did that do for you? Yeah. So at 18 years old, I finally had the guts to say, dad, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with the fact that you're not in my life. This is impacting me. You know, at that time, guys started coming around and showing their interest. And, um, and it was funny because I went to like a kind of name it and claim it church, um, okay. you know, so it was more prosperity focused. And so I had these friends of mine who were like, God told me that you're my wife, you know, and so, <laughs> all five of them. God all told five all five. Yeah it, was yeah. Quite, yeah, it was like several. I'm like, wait a minute. How is he right. sharing this with you and not me? First of all. But then why are there multiple people right hearing the same? Right. Um, but anyway, so but I, I think I really did want God's will for my life. And so I was trying to wrestle with, OK, what does this look like and what do I look for in, in a man? And and so just kind of pouring my heart out to my dad for the first time, mm-hmm. um, doing what I wanted to do so many years earlier. And he said to me words that really changed my whole perspective. He said, you know, I'm afraid too. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what? Right. <laughs> and, and he said, you know, I haven't had my dad in my life. And you know, it was almost like just this awareness of my dad's humanity that, right. you know, he's sorting through this thing called life as well. Um, right. We can have this picture of our parents of, you know, like, you should have it figured out. You know, right. you're raising yeah. me, right? You right. know what right. you're doing. Um, but we forget, wait, but this is their first time doing this too, you know? Right. Um, and they may not have all the answers. And and so, yeah, seeing his humanity was so helpful, um, you know, and, and then after that point, I really saw him start to make more of an effort. So he started calling a little bit more, you know, yeah. wanting to, you know, check in a bit more. Um, yeah. So maybe, and I think sometimes that is the case that our vulnerability opens up other people being vulnerable. Yeah. You know, sometimes Absolutely. they're waiting for you to say, come on in, you know, that you want that. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. so it certainly wasn't perfect. And it wasn't like, okay, everything is great now that I had that conversation, but I did see improvements. Yeah. And I'm grateful for those improvements. Um, even to the point where I was able to ask him to walk me down the aisle, you know, when I got married, it's big, which is really sweet. Yeah, that is you know? that's really big. And that's definitely sweet. Yeah. Mm. I think that a lot of people desperately want to have that conversation, mm. but don't know how, Yeah, you know, it's, it's a big step to put yourself out there, to not know what's going to be on the other side. Right. Um, and so I love that, you know, the result of your conversation, you were able to speak, you know, what was on your heart and that there was a connection there that he responded. 
you know, right. he responded, he tried in whatever way he could, mm-hmm. um, you know, that fit with him. So, yeah. Right. And one thing I will say, because my husband also writes a chapter in a book and he talks about his experience of confronting his dad and, you know, he came to faith and then he wanted to have a conversation with his dad and it kind of, it didn't go well at all. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, that's the challenging thing, right? When we're vulnerable, we don't know how people are going to respond. Right. All we can do is do what we're called to do and, and, and be honest about our situation. We can't control our parents or anyone else. Right. Um, you know, so it might go well, it might not go well, but we have to be free, right? Enough to exactly. say, I'm going to yeah. speak the truth. Right. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. Um, another quote you have, you write the name dad rested heavy on my tongue, like a second language I hadn't mastered. I think so many people can resonate with that. Mm. So I'd love to know how did your experience with your earthly father kind of influence or, or challenge your understanding of God as a heavenly father? Yeah. So I remember when I came to the Lord um, and I became a Christian when I was 22, um, you know, I came to the Lord and I said, okay, I'm saved. I've been forgiven of my sins, Mm -hmm. right? The perfect judge has pardoned me. Um, And I was very excited because I made a profession of faith when I was nine. Um, But, you know, to really be able to now have a relationship with God was great. Um, However, (laughs) I really struggled in understanding that God was my father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a part of a ministry. I think that was a bit harsh. They struggled to understand God's grace. And so I struggled to understand it. And and so I had to really be shed of my viewing my heavenly father through the lens of my earthly father, or even those in authority, right, who maybe right. didn't have it right, um, you know, and just seeing God as this harsh, you know, taskmaster, you know, who just, okay, I will forgive you. And I'm just tolerating you though, you know, right. And, and, and going from that, I remember what really helped me was realizing that I can't look at God through the lens of my brokenness. I have to look at God through the lens of the scripture, Mm -hmm. because it's there in the scripture that God clearly communicates what fatherhood is. And when you realize that fatherhood doesn't originate with a human being. Yes, you know, Adam is the first man, but God is the first father, you know? Mm. And so when you when you see it that way, well, wait, fatherhood comes from God. You know, Ephesians 3, it says, I think it's 3 uh, verse 14, from whom all fatherhood derives its name, right? All mm. of the families derive their name from God. We're made in his image, right? And so when you look at it in that way, it really transforms everything. Yeah. Because now, you know, I, I can just take God at face value for what who, for who he says he is. Right. Right. And when I do that, I see, okay, he chose me. He loves me. And he lavishes his love on me. Yes. He's not just tolerating me. It's not right. like I'm just his project. No, like he in love, he predestined me for adoption. Yeah. In he desires you, <laughs> yes. you know, relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And this was his choice. Like no one twisted his hand saying, yes. you know, okay, I'm going to send my son to redeem humanity. No, he, you know, he's like, I want to redeem humanity. Right. Um, he could have destroyed us. Right. He, but right. he said, no, I want to be with you forever. And when we began to like hold fast to his promises, it really shifts everything. When you realize him saying, 
though your mother or father forsakes you, like I will never leave you. Like that is a promise that we can like anchor ourselves in. Like we can Mm -hmm. plant our anchor in, we can put our stake in that this is truth here. Um, This is who God is. It's not, you know, that I must see him through the lens of the brokenness that I experienced through my earthly father. That heavenly father, Mm-hmm. heavenly, like that transforms everything. Our whole story, our yeah. whole story can be transformed. So I love that. It's beautiful. And I love that you said planted because um, you use the metaphor of a tree mm. and then, you know, to describe the Christian and then the soil as God's love. Yes. And that there's this entire process of rooting oneself mm-hmm. in God's love. So, so for you, and I know this was a long process, what did this process look like for you? Yes. Yes. So that rooted, you know, which is also from Ephesians, that imagery of God's love, right? The height and depth and width and, um, you know, the vastness of God's love. I realize it takes time. It takes time to shed the wrong perspectives that we have about God. Um, You know, the Bible talks about like putting off and putting on, right? So like repenting of those false ideas of God, and then putting on those with that which is true about God. Mm-hmm. And it's a constant mind renewal, right? You know, it's just like in our life, like or in my life, I'll say, there are times where I see myself, let's say, say something, and I realize, wait, well, where did that come from, right? right? Maybe that came from that place of brokenness, or it came from the lies that I have believed at one time. Or, you know, you say something to your child, and it's like, oh, well, I don't want to say that, you know, like, I don't want to parent like that, but this is maybe how I was parented. So I have to, you know, see what I desire, you know, have the truth in front of me or what I, or what I'm aiming for, what my goal is and shed that, which I no longer want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and it's a process it's, it's ongoing, you know, that, but there's so much grace for it, you know, and, and there's a lot of apologizing (laughs) You know, and realizing like giving yourself grace even. Yes. Right? We're, we're sorting this thing out. We're, we're working out our salvation, right? With fear yes. and trembling. And mm-hmm. there's room for grace. God gives us grace. Um, and we realize that like, we won't fully know the true and living God, right? Until we're perfected. Right. We're constantly growing in the grace and knowledge of God. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. I think people who have um, experienced fatherlessness or abusive fathers or absent fathers, you know, I think it can be so hard to go to God and have a true understanding of his character. Because like you said, we kind of project this um, judge, this very harsh person that um, is just waiting for us to mess up. And so I think it is a constant working out of reminding ourselves of God's grace reminding ourselves of God's uh, tenderness mm-hmm. and that we're actually not journeying and working out alone in isolation. Right. Yes. But like he's partnering with us to be like, no, no, no. Remember who I am. You know, that's I think right. that's why scripture talks so much about meditating on God's word, repeating God's word over and over, mm-hmm. because honestly, we are quick to forget, Absolutely. you know, in those moments that we kind of revert back to, um, you know, oh, God is judge or God's after me, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, oh, wait, no, we need to go back and repeat that. No, God is love. That's and right. Kind and good. Right. And to really help us through that. And Absolutely. I love, you know, that image of, of churning that soil. 
you know, mm. and speaking that into growth and rooting. I just think that's a beautiful, beautiful picture you paint for us. So, mm. and yeah. one thing, one thing that I'll add too, because as you mentioned, and as we've mentioned, just going to God and uh, being renewed in our understanding of who He is, but also He's also given us the church, and that was an element I wanted to highlight because. Often when I hear about spiritual adoption, we only hear about the fatherhood of God. Yes, we've been adopted. We have a new father. But the truth is we also have now a new family. And so that's the benefit of the body of Christ that, you know, you have image bearers, believers, right? Brothers and sisters in the Lord now who are your family and you're working out your salvation alongside them. So you Mm -hmm. now know I'm not alone. I'm not alone because I have a father, but I'm not alone because I have a family and I can express my vulnerabilities and my struggles. And someone is going to come alongside and say, yeah, I'm struggling too. Hopefully, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to say like, I'm struggling alongside you and let's struggle together and let's activate or make use of the means of grace. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, our, our spiritual disciplines or communion or, you know, you know, testimony, the testimony of the church to help each other along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just another reminder that we're not in this alone, you know, yes. we need yeah. each other. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I think one of the things you point out with that is the gift of hospitality. Yes. And I've never connected the gift of hospitality and understanding the body of Christ and its adoptive family. Mm. And I'm like, that was powerful. And you talk about two families uh, that you lived with in, in DC for a period of time. And their acts of hospitality and inviting you in to their homes, yes. kind of showing what a healthy family looks like. So yeah. can you talk to me about that experience? Yeah. So so actually kind of fast forwarding in my story, I met my husband, Shy. He got down on one knee and proposed. And, you know, he lived on the East Coast. I was on the West Coast. And so we decided that I was going to move to the East Coast. Um, and so in that move, I moved in with a family who was one of our pastors or my soon to be pastor. And it was literally the first time that I was able to be around um, a family, a different family for one, but then to observe a healthy Christian family and what that looked like. So, you know, just to watch, you know, a father lead his family in family devotions, right? That was like, what? You know? What is happening here? <laughs> yeah. like, Nobody's yelling. Come? I don't understand. <laughs> okay, right. You know, um, and I remember him saying, you want to come on up? You know, we're going to have like our bedtime routine with our kids. And I'm like, what is a bedtime routine with kids? You know, like, what is that? that? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and he pulled out his guitar and, you know, and he's this, you know, he's from Texas and, you know, cowboy boots. And, you know, so it's just a different, you know, experience. But it was a beautiful experience, again, of just being welcomed into their home, watching this wife love her husband and, you know, watching them care for their kids. And, and then the other um, family was a family that I nannied for another pastor of our church and just seeing how intentional he was with his boys. Um, He only had boys at the time. And and I would see him just reading to his boys and playing trucks before he went into the office. And, you know, if he's like, if you need anything, you call me and he would walk back home and, you know, have a talk with his boys. And he just prioritized his family. Um, you know, you saw him loving his wife. And I mean, it was just a beautiful, a beautiful picture. And of course, these are not perfect families. We, right, you know, of course. Um, yeah. You know, that doesn't need to be said. But, you know, just to see them desire to be faithful. And I was able to take 
in just nuggets and say, I want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I want to add that into, you know, okay, we need to have family worship. Okay, what is it, you know, yeah. okay, I want to talk to my kids about the Trinity when they're three. You know, I want to talk right. to them about marriage. I was right. having these like deep theological conversations with this three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old right. about marriage. Right. They were like playing you know? with their, you know, blocks and stuff. <laughs> exactly, right. And I'm like, wow, was I even thinking about marriage at three? No, right. that wasn't even... You know, uh, that wasn't even a concept in my mind at three. Um, How did I process, as you mentioned, the word dad at two and three years old, you know, Um, because I didn't have him in my home. Um, Mm -hmm. So it it helped us to be more intentional. And we've been able, by the grace of God, to meet with other families. And, you know, as we do, we pull certain things and say, oh, we want to do that. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, you know, I want to have these conversations. I don't want to speak like that, though. Um, Right. You know, you're learning as you go along and you're challenging each other. And now we're in a season, as I mentioned, my oldest is nine. And so we're looking at families in our church who have preteens and teenagers and now it's like, okay, how are you doing this? You know, right in this day <laughs> and age. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. You know, please let me know and like give me some wisdom in a couple of years. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> right. I feel you. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's so interesting. And what I love though is that on the one hand, you and Shy are intentional about seeking out those opportunities to, to witness, mm-hmm. you know, what families are doing. Yeah. And on the other side of it, it's families also opening up their homes, opening up their lives yes. to display, mm, yes. even display what they do wrong. Because I right. think there's a lot of stuff that we can learn of, hey, when they, do they argue well? Mm-hmm. Or how do they apologize? When right. they mess up, how do they apologize? So I think it's just a beautiful picture of a functioning family and what the church can be. I, I absolutely right. love that. Yeah. It's true. It's true because when you haven't had your father in the home and you're so desiring to have that healthy family dynamic, sometimes you can even I- idolize that. Yeah. And you don't you don't see, you know, the arguments. You don't see the conflict. And how do we work through this? Yeah. Um, so you just have this like, oh, everything's gonna be great because we're together. Right. Um, so yeah, we need to see the good, bad, and the ugly, and we need mm-hmm. to see the apologizing. Yeah. Uh, and realize like this is normal. So when yes. you have your first fight, it doesn't mean that like a divorce is around the corner. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, <laughs> exactly. There can be those fears there, uh, yeah. even in entering marriage when you haven't had those models. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now your husband, Shai, um, writes a chapter in your book. Mm-hmm. So how did reading his words on marriage and, and fatherhood affect you? Yeah. I mean, you know, thankfully, because we have a good (laughs) relationship, I was able to talk with him a lot about a lot of the things that he had written in the book. So it wasn't a a surprise, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we were able to talk through even when we now I will say I didn't know how terrified he was before having (laughs) our first child. I didn't know that. I think he kept that that from me. I think think guys tend to just hide that. They think we have enough going on. They're like, I'm good. I'll just deal with it over here. Exactly right. I'll talk to my guy friends about that one. Right. Um, You know, so I didn't realize that totally. But um, but I could. It's funny because I did. (laughs) I remember when I was in labor. He was pacing quite a bit, uh, you know, with his hands in his pocket. And I remember my friend, she had taken pictures of our birth. And um, and so I remember her just kind of giggling like, oh, he just has his hands in his pocket. He's, he looks a little nervous, you know, not <laughs> what to do. What's happening uh, here? Exactly. 
you know, so, um, but yeah, just, we were able to just talk through his concerns because as I mentioned, his dad wasn't in his life and he talks through that experience. And so, you know, wanting to get it right. And there can be a lot of pressure, you know, placed upon, uh, you know, a husband or a wife, but there was a lot of pressure. I think that he had felt and like, okay, I have this responsibility and no one was there to walk me through it. Um, you know, so he, like me, um, you know, reached out to men in his life and, you know, to get counsel and, and just ask for help. So we were able to do it together and we were able to do it, you know, with our friends. And I'm just so grateful, you know, grateful for that. It's really beautiful. And I think what an amazing legacy for Mm. your kids, Mm. like what an amazing tangible thing that they get to hold and honor to be like, this is my mom and dad. Mm. And this is their, their story, their process, and just a symbol of their love. Like, I just love that. And I think it's a beautiful legacy um, that you guys are leaving for your Mm. kids Mm. just to read and stuff. So praise God. Mm. It's good. I'm sure there are many men and women who have not yet addressed their own experience of fatherlessness. Mm. Mm -hmm. What are some very practical first steps that they can do um, on this journey towards accepting God as father Mm -hmm. and pursuing that healing? Yeah. For one, I mean, I think, and there, I know there can be a range of how, a person can experience or, or how a person has been impacted by not having their dad. And, and again, in the book, I do share my story of not having my dad present in my home, but I know that there is emotional absence and there can be spiritual absence and mm-hmm. there can be abuse. And so, um, you know, yeah, that can impact a person very differently depending upon their situation. Um, I would say like, I think it's important to begin with sharing your story. Now, mm-hmm. doesn't mean you need to share it with everyone <laughs> like I did, but <laughs> I think it could look like talking to a counselor mm-hmm. and, you know, being able to just get the story out. I think even journaling has been extremely helpful for me. Um, so even if you can't talk to a counselor, just to sit and write out your story, yeah. write out how it's impacted you. Because sometimes we don't even realize how much it's impacted us. Right. It's, it's almost like we just see kind of the wounds or we see, you know, maybe even the, the fruit, which is the result mm-hmm. of it. And then when the fruit comes, we're like, oh, wait, what's that? Maybe we tuck it away or maybe it's so bad that we can't tuck it away. And then mm-hmm. we start saying, well, maybe I need to talk to someone. Yeah. Um, you know, so getting your story down is very important um, because then you can even pray and begin to cast your cares over to the Lord and say, oh, wow, I see how, you know, not having my dad in my, in the home, that's impacting my other relationships. You know, I may be cutting people off or putting up a wall, or I'm afraid of rejection or, um, you know, like I'm dealing with real wounds and hurts Mm -hmm. and, or bitterness or unforgiveness as a result of this. And, or, yeah, I can't trust people. Uh, right. I can't trust my husband or I can't trust men or I can't trust women. You know, like it can look uh, 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 many different ways. And so getting your story down is helpful. Praying about your story, you know, as I mentioned, casting those cares over to the Lord, which I had to learn how to do. 
you know, because, you know, yeah, we're not born just learning, knowing how to cast our cares. Right, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So taking those specific concerns and saying, God, okay, this, I am struggling with bitterness. I am struggling with unforgiveness. I am hurt. Like Mm -hmm. this hurts me. And I know that, you know, I know that you're with me. You haven't forgotten about me. Would you please help me to give this over to you? Um, and 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 I, I talk also in the book about forgiveness, and I know that that is a process as well. Um, but sometimes we look at forgiveness as like, okay, there's this big blob of ways I've been sinned against, you know, by mm-hmm. my father, and so I just need to forgive this blob. <laughs> you know, we don't deal with the blob, right? But it's just kind of like, okay, I want to cover it with, you know, grace. And I think sometimes dealing with what's in the blob helps us better forgive. Uh, because when things come up, uh, you know, we can say, okay, I need to forgive specifically when you did this, you know, you yes. sinned against me in this particular way, you abused me, you know, you hurt me with your words right. and Lord, I want to forgive that verbal, right. Uh, or harshness. I want to forgive that. Um, and then if that person is still in your life and they, do have an opportunity to still hurt you with those words, you can know, okay, this is the specific thing. This is the issue here, right? Right. It's not everything, but it's this thing. Um, so I, I think that that's been helpful for me. Um, and I pray that you're in a, you know, everyone is in a safe place, that they're not in a position where they're constantly being in harm's way. Because um, I think it just requires a lot of grace. You know, if you have a relationship with the parent and it's, you know, just a toxic situation that is impacting your life or impacting your family dynamic. You know, I think that's when it's helpful to get some advice from a pastor, a counselor, mm-hmm. um, you know, a spouse to say, let's right. try to sort through this so that we right. can handle this in a healthy way. Yeah. No, I think that's good. And I know you also put in the book that sometimes forgiveness looks like healthy boundaries against those who are still abusive. Absolutely. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. And so absolutely, I think it is determining it. But I love the fact that you're like, how do you explore within yourself what your story is? Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think we hide that story and we don't even want to think about it. And then, you know, processing that with someone that um, is healthy for us, be it a counselor be it a pastor or, mm-hmm. or a loved one. Um, so I think that's a really great place to start. So mm-hmm. um, thank you so much for sharing your story and for being with us. Um, please tell us how can um, the listeners connect with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so I have a website, um, which is BlairLynnPoetry.com. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. Um I've been doing a lot more on Instagram recently. <laughs> um, I feel like you can get a little more accomplished with videos yeah. and things on Instagram. <laughs> Twitter is just like, there are Twitter battles that I'm not really interested in partaking it's, of. <laughs> it's a lot of energy. It's a yes. lot of energy. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so an Instagram is Blair.Lynn. Um, so yeah, follow me there. I've been doing some interviews and just talking more about this subject and I'm just praying that the Lord would um, be glorified and One of the things I do want to say um, is the call that the church has to care for the fatherless. So I just pray in reading this Mm -hmm. book, even if it's not your story that you didn't like you had a great father, that you would even find helps on how to come alongside the fatherless. So 
thank you yeah. so much for having me on. I'm so grateful oh, to have this time with you. Oh my goodness. It's been my pleasure. So I always like to ask guests um, two things before I let you go. Yeah. So one, what are you reading right now? I'm reading Gentle and Lowly. Oh, yeah. I haven't read that yet. By Dane okay. Ortland. Yeah, it's been encouraging. It's mm. it's great on the gentleness and the lowliness of Christ. Ooh. It's beautiful. I'm going to have to check that out. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who or what is inspiring you right now? Hmm. Uh, the Great British Baking Show. Nice. I love yes. that. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm gluten free, so it's not inspiring me to bake a whole lot. Right. I'm, I'm exactly. Limited. Yes. <laughs> but, no. Yes. Um, so that's kind of my, I guess, quirky inspiration. And um, I've been in the book of Isaiah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I've been encouraged in God's word, uh, inspired in God's word, just to seek him more. So, yeah, so that's my fun example and my yeah. more serious watching bread scripture. and reading scripture. <laughs> exactly. Listen, the bread and the bread and the right? bread. The I bread mean, and one you can bread. actually partake in. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yes. Yes. Paul and you know, on the baking show, I can't, I can't eat his, that bread. So yes, exactly. <laughs> <But it> is- <laughs> yes. that's right. Blair, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Blair. Be sure to pick up a copy of her book, Finding My Father, on Amazon today. And also go follow her on Instagram. As always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you next time.